Lansing spent 25 years on the PGA Tour and is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Now he provides his unique perspective as a golfer and network broadcaster. It's time to go On the Range with Jay Delsing. On the Range is brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Good morning, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I am your host, Jay. I've got Pearly, John Perlis with me. Brad Barnes is in the studio taking care of us and pushing these buttons and dials. And um, we formatted the show like a round of golf. The first segment is called On the Range. It's brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Uh, check us out on our social media outlets. Twitter is at Jay Delsing. Facebook is Golf with Jay Delsing and Jay Delsing Golf. LinkedIn is Jay Delsing. And, wow, that's a lot of Jay Delsings. Pearly, Instagram is... Who knows, baby? Who knows? I'm just ready to get, get rolling here. It's, sports are starting to get going a little bit more. We got the radio show going, getting back in the uh, swing of things. Yeah, absolutely. We want to thank uh, Bob and Kathy Donahue, the uh, painting and refinishing, for helping to sponsor the show here. They're great people. You need any work, they do high quality work around your house. Call Bob and Kathy Donahue at Donahue Painting and Refinishing. All right, so this show today, we've got an interview with Michael Bamberger. Michael wrote for Sports Illustrated for, oh man, at least 20 years, maybe 25 years, and now he's with um, Golf.com. All right, I want to give a shout-out to the St. Louis Junior Invitational. It's been rescheduled for July 30th through 31st. It's going to be at Norwood Hills. Um, You can reach them at stlgolfjr.com. The tournament will consist of 72 boys and girls, ages 14 to 18, uh, Bob Phillips has this thing called the Shining Light Player Scholarship that are available. So they use GoFundMe pages to help families, you know, uh, underwrite the cost so that their children can come play in this event. Last year they had boys and girls from six or eight different states. And this year I think we've already had entrants from almost 10 different states. So, um, yeah, that's a, a cool thing for the club. It's a It's a cool thing for golf. And um, we want to support that any way we can. Hey, Jay, it's another part of your in, your intro. I think it'd be neat, given what's going on in the economy, the world, everything else. The Donahue painting people are so been so great for the show. Uh, maybe we can kind of know how they're doing, kind of kind of coming back and, uh, and and getting things ramped up again. So I don't know if you have a chance to touch base with them, but I, I think that'd be kind of fun to hear. How I will. Doing. I will do that. I had Bob on the leading edge segment, you know, a while back and I've yep. been in touch yep. with those guys. So yeah, that's a good call, Pearl. I appreciate you, uh, you bringing that up. All right. So let's jump into the PGA tour return policy and what this whole thing kind of looks like. Um, first of all, John, this thing has been two months in the making and the PGA tour has been consulting experts from all over the world, the World Health Organization, the CDC doctors. And um, one of the things that was on the table early that I'm so glad that that um, that, that it's going to go down the way it is, is caddies are going to be allowed to play. They're going to be allowed to, to, to be in the competition. And I was really concerned with what that would look like without caddies, not 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 the look of it, but just what it would do to the players. I just feel like the professional game, the caddies are just a massive part of that. Absolutely. I, how how would they play without caddies? You talking about all the guys going to carry their own bags? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be kind of interesting too. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But you know where I'm at on this, and and this is probably. Fun to, to banter back and forth, uh, and, and I appreciate that we're out there talking to all the experts. They've got to do their due diligence, but I think we kind of know what we know. We know some things, and we don't know some things. We're not going to know some things for a heck of a long time, and I just love the fact that they're moving forward, and so I appreciate that, and I love that there's some level of the PGA Tour leading the way of getting things back. I also think it's, it's, it's the easiest sport to kind of get going again, uh, maybe other than like NASCAR and stuff that they're doing, but Let's let's take the precautions that we know uh, are, are positive, and let's go. Well, Pearl, we know that golf numbers around the country are booming. I mean, it's one of the things that people are actually being able to do. They can get some exercise. They can get some fresh air. They can get the hell out of their houses. Um, but there's an opportunity here for the game, John. Being the first sport back, not a major sport, not a top four sport, but it's still a big, big deal. There are going to be eyeballs on these tournaments and on these 
you know, like we had um, uh, a week or so ago, the Taylor uh, made driving relief challenge and skin game. There are going to be eyes on golf that probably weren't on the game before, John. There's an opportunity here to grow the sport in a very unique way. And, no question. No question. It's, it's a unique opportunity. Plus, there's a lot of people like me that really want to find how are things going to get moving back to things we recognize. And so I think, to your point, there's going to be a, an extra appreciation that this sport is is getting things rolling. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there's also an example, and, and you, you hit on it, the, hit the nail right on the head for me, is that, you know, the tour can be an example of how to do this. Now, there are challenges that the other sports have that the PGA Tour doesn't. The fact that we are on an open-spaced golf course, you know, somewhere between two and 400 acres just makes this thing much easier as opposed to an enclosed stadium like a like the NBA or the NHL. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really... An opportunity that uh, I love the fact that the tour is seizing, and I know that the players are itching like crazy to get back. I, I certainly hope that they are, and I think at least my way of thinking, and again, we all see this, this thing differently, but there's plenty of things that can be done and understood, and especially as close and caring as that player or caddy relationship is, that this thing can be completely safe, and, and let's just go get them. It's more the production side, Jay that you're familiar with. I am from playing peon for Ryder Cups and U.S. Opens for NBC uh, uh, Golf for, for quite a few years. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that is tough on some of these uh, things that need to be done as far as keeping social distance and that kind of stuff because there's a lot of people that go together to produce these things, these events. So even if there's not spectators, just to produce them in ways that we've learned to appreciate the game on TV – that, that part's, I, in my opinion, tougher than the player part. Oh, I think, you know what, John? I think you're 100% right. You know what the easiest part's going to be? Playing the game. The hardest part, I mean, first of all, the players and the caddies are going to be pre-tested before they travel. Then once they travel and get to the location, so they get to Fort Worth, they're going to have a, a location where everybody's got to go in and get tested again. And you're not allowed into any of the club facilities until those tests have come back negative. Now, you are allowed to go practice. You can even go have a practice round on the golf course. But you go from the driving range to the course, to the putting green, into your car. You do not go inside until those tests come back negative. And there's a, yeah. there's a three-step process that they're using as well. So there's going to be some of the thermal stuff. So there'll be temperature taking. There's the the PCR test, which is normally a three, a two to four day result, you know, time that it takes to get this thing done. And the tour is looking into um, specialized labs that are going to be able to turn these tests around in just a couple hours. It's going to make a a huge uh, impact. There's also no family allowed. How weird is that, John? You cannot yeah. travel with your family. You cannot bring your family. There's no dry cleaning services. If It's also interesting. Did you see what happens if a player tests positive, John? He's um, immediate, he and his caddy immediately removed from the tournament and taken following the, the local CDC um, and local guidelines and will be quarantined somewhere until there's more testing done. And then the tour is going to pay for that player and his caddy to be kind of holed up somewhere until he gets two positive tests, two negative tests, sorry, in one day. So it's There's an awful lot, awful lot of control going on here, which makes my blood boil, but I, I, I get it that there, we have to go to these extremes in order to get everybody comfortable. Some people aren't going to need this type of thing. Some are. So I think the only way you really get a whole field pulled together uh, is that you have to do these things. Uh, it's 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 just it makes me crazy thinking about it, but uh, I can see where it has to happen in order to get everybody to say, "Yeah, I'll come play," because that's what it'll take to make me comfortable. So right. I get it. Right, and there's also liability issues. There's just massive amounts of issues to be dealt with. Also, we don't want to forget because the PGA Tour, as we know, is more like the World Tour. There's about 26 players from the PGA Tour that are in Europe right now. And so yeah. if they want to compete, they've got to be back in town, shoot, 
already back in the States, Pearl, because um, uh, they yep. need they need a 14 day quarantine period coming from uh, some from Europe. So there is a lot, a uh, lot of uh, bureaucratic um, administrative stuff that that's going to be done. There's going to be uh, hand sanitizers everywhere. There's going to be gloves. There's going to be masks uh, provided. So. We do know that they're taking all the precautions they can to try to get this thing back in order. And I know that the PGA Tour is trying, is kind of got slated for the Memorial Tournament the third week of July to be the first event back with some sort of spectator. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Well, absolutely. And and uh, so in uh, in Ohio, that's, uh, that state's been doing very well. And I'm hoping, uh, as we all are, that uh, things get more and more clear and, uh, and, and more and more good information out there so we can all get a little bit more comfortable with what's going on. Yeah, amen to that. Well, that's going to wrap up the On the Range segment. Don't go anywhere. John and I will be back for the front nine. we got an interview from Michael Bamberger. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring professional golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at beautiful Norwood Hills Country Club. Legends like Ernie Els, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, and many more will be in St. Louis. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. That's ascensioncharityclassic.com. Are you tired of forking out the big money, all those dollars on golf balls? Well, we finally have an option for you. Let us introduce you to Sniper Brand Golf Balls. This brand new product is a Serlin-covered ball that is just great to play. It's long off the driver, it's accurate with the irons, and importantly, it's soft around the green. And you know what the best part is? It's just $23.99 for a dozen. That's right, $23.99, and a portion of every sale goes back to a military or law enforcement agency. Find Sniper Brand online at thesniperbrand.com. Plus, you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and check out their entire line of golf products on their website, thesniperbrand.com. And don't forget to check out the Sniper Brand logo. You're going to love it. I want to give a huge shout-out and thank you to Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, again for the second year. When you join out at Whitmore, there's 90 holes of golf. You get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are already included in your membership. There's no food and beverage minimums. There's no assessments. They have a 24-hour fitness center, large pool complex, tennis. Man, they've just got great family-oriented stuff. And if you get over there, you got to go in the golf shop, and you have to say hello to my friend Bummer. Bummer is just a delightful guy that would love to help you and your family with your golf game. He and his staff out there run golf leagues, skins games, members tournaments, couples events are available all year long. If your family is looking for a place where you can hang out, have fun, enjoy good food, golf, sports, just a family-friendly atmosphere, you got to go to Whitmore Country Club. You can reach them at 636-926-9620. We're all experiencing very trying times right now, but hopefully we can reflect a little bit on the things that matter the most to us, like family and community. At St. Louis Bank, we want to wish you and your family safety and good health. We're a part of this community, and we are all in this together. In such uncertain financial times, you've probably never needed your bank to step up and support you more. We know, we hear you, and we are here for you. Our banking experts are doing everything they can to help. We're offering a skip a payment to all consumer accounts for mortgage loans and home equity line of credits. We're offering payment modifications with up to a six-month deferral. Our commercial and SBA loans will be handled on a case-by-case basis to provide the best relief for each unique situation. We understand that communication and speed are essential during this critical time. Get in touch with your commercial banking officer to take advantage of this program. If you'd like to speak with us, you can call 314-851-6200. We are going to move through this hardship, and we're going to do it together. St. Louis Bank, here for you when you need us today and in brighter days ahead. Grab your clubs. We're headed to the front nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. 
The Front Nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Golf Classic. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsey. I'm your host, Jay. I've got Pearlie with me. Brad Barnes is in the room with us as well. And uh, we got to give a shout-out to our uh, our friends at Woodmore Country Club uh, for sponsoring the show. Man, they've got... Um, one of the things, the last time I drove up to Whitmore, one of the things that um, just stuck out in my mind, I mean, you may have seen this too when you played, because you played out there since I have, but that place is always full. Always. The parking lots, the tennis courts, it's it's just, uh, they, everybody's having a blast out there. There's always a buzz, but it's never too crowded. No. There's nope. a, there's always space to play. You're never feeling rushed, but there's always just a, a, a yeah. life. Going yeah, there's on some good there. energy, and there's 36 holes at at, at the the at Whitmore, and you also get access uh, to Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardine, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. Cart fees are included there, so that's 90 holes of golf you get with this Whitmore membership. No food or beverage minimums, and no uh, assessments. There's three tennis courts, a 24-hour fitness center, a Super huge pool, uh, year-round social calendars, the holiday parties are legendary out there. There's picnics and date nights, live music. Um, you've got to go in and say hi to Bummer in the golf shop. He is uh, the assistant pro there, and he is just a terrific guy. And when I promise you, as soon as you walk into the golf shop, you'll know who Bummer is. He is a terrific guy. And uh, ask him how he got his name, Bummer. It's a terrific story. He's the, uh, I think he's the youngest of nine kids. Um and they, those guys run golf leagues and skins games, members, tournaments, couples events. They, they just do a great job. You're looking for a place to take your family, hang out, play some golf, some tennis, great pool. You need to go to Whitmore Country Club, 636-926-9622. All right, let's Wait go. Wait a second, Jay. Wait a second, Jay. I, I love the Whitmore commercials, and I'm excited about the, the, the place. You always talk so highly of it. When am I going to get invited out there? Meet is Pearly talking? I, I, I did hear him. Yeah. Pearly, I think we should all get around, and then we can finally get those golf balls we were promised. Maybe, maybe wow. that's our chance. Wow, you guys! Hey, I'll, go, I'll, take, I'll take either the golf balls or playing it with more. This sounds, both, this sounds disgustingly like a bag from my my I mean, co-host. We, we've like, got what? nothing else to do. God. We might as well bag. I'm supposed, to pumping, I'm supposed to be pumping this place up, and I, I feed off of your enthusiasm for the place. <laughs> But I think it would be helpful if I went out there and played and had a beer, maybe maybe played a little tennis on the side, took a dip. I think that's the way it should go. Pearlie's looking for like, it sounds like he wants a spa day. Yeah, it, so, it sounds nice to me. I mean, if we can get it, why not? <laughs> All right, all right. So, well, um, we might have to we might have to get something like that in the works. Uh, meet, maybe we'll grab uh, you and Randy. The four of us will go out there and go uh, terrorize Bummer. Let's do it. I just saw Bummer two weeks ago. He's the nicest guy. He's great. He, he knows everybody. As soon as you walk in, he lights up. Oh, hey, hey, hey you know, know, it's me. Yeah. What's going on? Good he's got little. You. He's got little. You know, four and five year old kids will yep. walk in and they're all giving him five and they're like. He's like, did you hit some balls today? And they're like, nah, I played some tennis. She's like, don't forget about golf. You know, he's, <laughs> he's like the Tiger Woods of Whitmore. He's I know. Just, everybody loves him. He is, he is fantastic. All right, so we've got this interview with Michael Bamberger. Michael wrote for Sports Illustrated for years and years, over 20 years, and he writes for golf.com um, now and just does a great job. Caddied on tour. So let's just jump in um, to this uh, Philadelphia native story. This is Michael Bamberger. Sitting here looking at some of the some of your work, and I also neglected to talk about the play. You know, I'm a baseball junkie, and you wrote a play uh, entitled Barton Fay about um, Fay Vincent, Bart Giamatti, and um, and that had a run in Philly in your hometown for about a year, didn't it? I did run in Philadelphia, not 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 quite that long, only only two weeks, but that was that was still a thrill. Uh, I got to know Bart Gia. I I love baseball as you do, and we came up in baseball, uh, although I didn't. Play and I real level except for little league, but uh, uh, but I came of age on the '69 New York Mets. I know that means something to you. Um, and then my first job uh, after college was on the Vineyard Gazette or Martha's Vineyard, and my neighbor was uh, Bart Giamatti, who was then the uh, president of Yale and later became the uh, president of the National League, and then subsequently became the commissioner of baseball, and then again got engulfed in this controversy over whether uh, Pete Rose uh, had bet on the Reds or not. And then he, and then uh, Bart, uh, with his deputy Faye Vincent, uh, uh, kicked Pete Rose out, out of baseball, uh, put him on the uh, ineligible list. 
for the Hall of Fame as well. And uh, well, he was on the Major League Baseball as ineligible, which made you ineligible for the Hall of Fame technically. And uh, so I wrote a two-man play about Bart's relationship with uh, with Babe Vincent. Uh, these days, most people know Bart as the, uh, or they know his son, Paul Giamatti, who's an actor. Uh, he's got two other children as well. Uh, but yeah, I got to know both those. Well, Babe Vincent to this day is a very close friend of mine, and Bart Giamatti uh, died tragically uh, about eight or nine days after uh, after he kicked Pete Rose out of baseball. Yeah, that was. I can still remember that time frame, that that short ten day time frame or so when he made that that decision and then passing away. And uh, man, that's something. To, so, Michael, I'm looking. I mean, you wrote for Sports Illustrated for years and years. I'm, I'm I read your stuff at Golf Magazine every week. You wrote these books, and there is some of the coolest stuff in your books that I, I want to just talk about. And I. I, probably selecting a favorite book is like saying, yeah, this is like my favorite kid. But um, the you've got uh, books, Men in Green, um, The Green Road Home, To the Linksland, Golfing, uh, Golfing Life, uh, The Golfing Life. And one of the things I wanted to talk about in The Golfing Life that it still struck me was Bruce Edwards. And Bruce Edwards, as we all know, caddied for years and years for Tom Watson. He actually met Tom in the parking lot of the golf course that I grew up in in 1973 when they were playing the St. Louis Classic at Norwood Hills. But Bruce in the ALS story and getting diagnosed yet still caddying for Tom and watching. I was watching that firsthand. It just seems surreal, Michael. That's, I'm, I'm, well, that triggers so much for me. Bruce was not a close friend of mine, and yet I could almost say that I loved Bruce as so many did, even if you didn't really know him well, because his spirit was infectious. He loved people. He loved the game. He really loved the tour and the tour life and the hotels and the bars in an appropriate way. I don't, uh, I don't mean it in, in, in an inappropriate way. But, uh, he just liked hanging out, and he was easy to be with. And his boss for many years, Tom Watson, is really a tough person and often on edge and prickly. And Bruce was uh, just the opposite in every way. And, and uh, I, there's no way to calculate these things, uh, but what Bruce did for Tom Watson's career uh, is really, un, uh, it, it's incalculable. And uh, uh, you may re- remember this, Jay, but at that U.S., I'm sure you will remember it, at that U.S. Open at Olympia Fields, that Furyk one, um, do, do you recall what year that was? Oh my gosh, I want to. I don't recall what year it was. I'll, I'll be taking you know early, yeah. But whatever year that well, I'll just look at it right here while we're talking. But anyway, the year that uh, that uh, let's just look it up here so we have it. I do remember that was that was Jim Furyk's year winning the major and winning the U.S. Open. Yeah, oh three. Okay, okay. So when so. Uh, uh, Tom Watson played in the 2003 uh, U.S. Open uh, at Olympia Fields, Chicago. It's the one that Jim Furyk won. And Bruce, uh, deep into the throes of ALS, was uh, was catting for him. And Watson shot a first-round 65. It was just extraordinary. Uh, and, uh, and and later I asked – and he went back to his, uh, his old uh, pink putter that he used so well uh, in, in the 70s. And he hadn't used it for some years. And I asked uh, – uh, Bruce, you know, what, what was it like? Uh, what, what did Watson say about you know being reunited with the, this old pink butter? And uh, and Bruce said, Watson said it was like being with an old girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, I love that quote so much because uh, it speaks to the relationship that golfers have with their with their putters, and it also just sort of captures uh, the romance of golf. And, you know, and golf's turned into a numbers game, and. Uh, you know, as as Brandel Chambly would say, appropriately, you know, a big data game, and uh, it is a game with a lot of data. But beyond the data, there's a lot of charm, a lot of romance, and a lot of stuff you can't put your finger on. And uh, Bruce really captured that in that one sentence. Oh, Michael, so true. And 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 in your book, To the Linksland, um, I love the card for the course, the way that you set up the initial part of the book and had the different chapters part one laid out with like a scorecard a front nine and a back nine scorecard and that book had so much I knew how much you you had this love affair with the game because that book is almost romantically written isn't it 
Well, that's very nice. And it happened to be written in the first year of uh, of our marriage. Uh, my wife and I, in fact, were celebrating that 30 years this year. So it was 30 years ago that, that we did that. But uh, I, I was a sports writer on the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I took a leave from my job. And Christine did the same. And I went to Europe and I caddied uh, on the European tour and wrote about it. Then spent a summer in uh, Scotland and uh, falling under the spell of a uh, of a Scottish teacher uh, uh, named Stark, John Stark. And, uh, yeah, so it was a very romantic uh, period. It was a vagabond period. We were broke. We had no mortgage. We had no children. Uh, you know, just like I'm sure for you when you got on that PJ tour in 1985. And uh, uh, and you're always going to remember uh, uh, that period uh, w- with a deep uh, fondness. Um, so, yes, that was a uh, that was incredibly just lucky time. And uh, I would encourage any any young people who are listening, if uh, if there's something you want to get out of your system, do it while you can, so you don't regret it. You don't regret it later. Uh, just like you did, Jay, trying to trying to play that PJ tour. It's hard. You made a living, and I've tried to do the same thing as a writer. It's hard, but I've made a living. Uh, but if you you know if you follow your passions, and uh, it's one of my wife's phrases about these sorts of things is, in life you don't regret what you do, you regret what you don't do. And uh, anyway, so we took the plunge and we dropped out of the world for for really the better part of a year and uh, and went to the European tour in Scotland and uh, had a great time. That says a lot about your wife, my man, for her to go along with that uh, plan. That's true. <laughs> okay, so how about the men in green? This book reminded me of, of looking at an old Rat Pack movie or something, uh, Michael. Huh, it, it, it's absolutely that's some of the pictures, that's... the black and whites, I just love it. Uh, I know exactly what you're saying and why you would say that. And uh, I feel that as well, particularly since t- two of the stars of Men in Green are Ken Venturi and Arnold Palmer. And they sort of are rat packers uh, in, in their own way. Uh, and for those who don't know, you know, younger listeners who wouldn't know what the rat pack is, it refers to uh, the collection of Frank Sinatra and uh, and Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis uh, Jr., and how they would sort of pal around. And there was a lot of that from these tour players who came up in the 50s and the 60s and, in, and into the 70s. And it's, it's capturing uh, their, their, their life and times uh, uh, to some degree. Uh, my friend Mike Donald, who I'm sure you know, Jay, uh, and I went around and visited uh, uh, some of these legends. And Venturi, especially when you speak of the Rat Pack, well, he, he, uh, he, w- he was an acquaintance or a friend of, uh, of Sinatra's. And uh, he really sort of had that Palm Springs vibe and uh, wear the right coat at dinner and know how to tip the valet guy and the, and the maitre d' and everybody else. Just sort of the whole code, just the code of, you know, what, what they considered uh, gentlemanly uh, behavior. Uh, it's something that's lost today, but, uh, but those guys really lived in. Arnold embodied that too, you know, with a totally different sensibility than Venturi, but, but he had it in spades as well. So, so that book uh, does try to capture uh, uh, that period. Uh, Michael, how hard is it to think about that book and think about how you just described golf and not think of the Bob Hope classic or the Bing Crosby clan? Yeah, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Bob Hope classic and uh, the Glenn Campbell tournament and uh, the AT&T when it was still the Crosby Clanbake and a PJ tour that was dominated by personalities, not by, not by corporations. And uh, I'm not saying that in an old fuddy duddy way. I'm just saying that really as a statement of fact, the PGA tour was dominated by personalities. So now this name will be meaningless to most people listening, but a man named Al Besslink, who would have been your father's generation, uh, who had tremendous skill and tremendous, appearance and presence but really the reason he became a legend was his personality uh uh and that really was the uh, the tour of that period and and even really right into the 70s when i uh uh fell into golf the reason that nicholas is nicholas is in a large part because of nicholas and a large part is because of the personalities <clears throat> beyond just the golf games but the personalities of the men who tried to beat him and sometimes did. And of course, everybody knows about Billy Casper and Tom Watson and Lee Trevino, but it's also Hubert Green. It's also Jerry Pate, uh, you know, Seve Ballesteros uh, as a young man. People who were larger than life, they were gritty. John Mahaffey, uh, Lou Graham. Uh, I know these names are obscure today to a lot of people, 
but they had a grit about them that was just obvious in the way that they carried themselves, the way they played, the way they swung the club, and uh, and it was very romantic. And um, you know, part of what's happened in other sports, like in the NFL today, you know, the, the helmets are bigger, uh, they're they're often shaded, and we don't really get to know the personalities as well as we did in you know the the, the Jim Brown era, say. Uh, and uh, and it changes uh, our appreciation of the game as fans, uh, but the nature of being a fan has changed as well. Uh, but for me, uh, f- falling in love with the game in the 70s, um, uh, it was really the uh, the personalities of the of of Nicholas and the people who were trying to beat him that really made me fall for the game. Michael, this is kind of an off the wall question, but um, do you think with the purses growing so much in in, in golf? Do you think there's going to be this gigantic divide and almost, um, oh gosh, what's the word? I want to say the word hatred, but that's a little too strong. But the way the the fans and spectators react to some of the other athletes because of some of the money they make and some of the things they do, do you think we're going to get there with golf? There's, there's, you know, when Mickey Mantle walked along, or Stan Musial in St. Louis, you know, the greatest Cardinal of all time, he would walk down the street and he had this presence about him, but he was also an ordinary guy. And in this And ball players were and ball players were of ordinary size. You know, uh, I remember seeing uh oh I'm, I'm sorry, just blank here. I remember seeing Frank Robinson late in his career and you know he was my height and weight. It's like, man, how do you hit all these home runs? Right. Uh uh he wasn't a big man. Uh uh, and he said, well, I was big for my time. Yeah, but the time uh, the, the time has changed. Golf's been sort of fortunate in that regard that uh, the players have largely done a good job of recognizing that the fans who come out to the tournament make their lives possible. So I'm thinking about Ricky Fowler and how he is with fans, Jordan Spieth, how he is, Justin Thomas, uh, Phil Mickelson, certainly. Jason Tiger, Day. Own way, it, uh, it's different. Uh, but so that could happen, Jay, what you're talking about, but it really hasn't happened so far. And, um, and, and I hope it won't happen. I think that pro-am round is a, uh, is, is very important to the PGA tour, uh, and gives the, you know, the top players who play in these programs, a weekly reminder of, uh, of how their bread gets buttered. And some sure understand it better than others, but by and large, uh, I think the players are good about it. But by and large, they also have more corporate, polite, careful, trained, controlled personalities and profiles on social media. So um, it's not quite as authentic and believable as and uh, uh, and as engaging, not to me uh, as it once was. Uh, but I don't think we're at that point that that you're that you're worried about we're getting there, but it's something to keep your eye on because it certainly could happen. Uh, yeah. uh, it didn't happen with the hockey players. You know, when they started making big money, they, they remained very personable and, and very approachable. And I hope it won't happen in golf. That would be really a, a, a shame. Okay. That's going to wrap up the front nine and the first half of the Michael Bamberger interview, but don't go away. Uh, we'll come back to the back nine and um, we'll jump right on. The, uh, the end of that interview. And by the way, we want to shout out to the Ascension Charity Classic. We appreciate their support. We can't wait for this tournament come the end of September, early October. And, um, you know, golf is going to be back in St. Louis all because of Ascension. So uh, come right back to the back nine. This golf with Jay Delsing. The 100,000 watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the 30 day return. WXOS and WXOS HD1, e St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Are you in the market for some new clubs? Maybe a bag and the latest style of sweet new shoes. Is this the year you decide to stop listening to your buddy's advice and get some real golf instruction? If any of these appeal to you, then go to Pro-Am Golf today. Pro-Am Golf has all the latest gear from all the major manufacturers. Call Steve today at 314-781-7775 and schedule a lesson with Tom DeGrand. Tom is the best. He's been in the game for over 50 years, so you take that knowledge along with their state-of-the-art equipment, and boom, your game will get a whole lot better. Visit them at ProAmGolfUSA.com. 
USA Mortgage is doing it again. Joe Schieser and his staff have lowered rates again this month, and they will waive closing costs. If you want to refinance to get cash out, lower your rate, shorten your term, or eliminate that costly, unnecessary mortgage insurance. If you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They are the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. Joe Schieser has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsing's. You're halfway there. It's time for the Back Nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The Back Nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I got Pearly with me, and we are headed to the Back Nine, sponsored by St. Louis Bank. Um, let's just jump right back in to the Michael Bamberger interview. Michael wrote for Sports Illustrated for years, and... Uh, now writes for golf.com. Let's talk about your new book, man. You've got the um, the second life of Tiger Woods. Uh, talk about this book a little bit, Michael. Well, uh, I, I, I appreciate that fact that you even know about it, Jake, because it just came out uh, in, in the past week or so. Uh, I've covered Tiger some in, in, first uh, in 1995 and in some periods of his career more intensely than others. Uh, and everybody knows the broad strokes of Tiger's life. There was a tremendous biography written uh, by two writers, uh, uh, Jeff Benedict and Arm Contain, and they wrote a big, thick biography of Tiger Woods called Tiger Woods uh, that covers really everything up to his Memorial Day 2017 arrest. And I regard that as a very significant event in his life and times because at that point, his life could have he could have he could have killed himself or somebody else very easily that night, and instead he didn't do that. He did the opposite. Well, fortunately, he didn't do that. And then in the in the aftermath of that, I think this is my opinion, uh, but I would say an opinion based on a lot of uh, reporting and observation that he took stock in his life in a way that uh, he had to really. Uh, and by taking stock in his life and changing things in his, in his life, he was able to go on this two-year journey that I won't say culminated, but, but includes the winning of the 2019 Masters. And the, way, the reason I'm wording it that way is you hope that it's still continuing uh, right now to this day. Of course, we haven't seen much of, public, of, of the public Tiger Woods uh, in, in recent months or this year at all, really. But... Um, but you, but you hope that's the case. But anyway, th- what this book is about is a really close study of where his life is and where it got to and for him to be able to win this 2019 Masters, uh, uh, which is really one of the most remarkable achievements uh, in the history of sport, I think. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, when he came back from the um, – I know back surgeries. And when he came back from the fusion – and I watched him swing in his own tournament down in the Heroes, uh, the Heroes Challenge. I went, oh, my gosh, he's back. He's got speed in the right place. You know, he wasn't lunging and lurching at the ball. And I'm like, holy smokes, how, how did this happen? And it's another time where, you know, I, I, he's – I don't know if even generational athlete for Tiger is even appropriate, Michael, because had he not gone through that chasm in his life – from 2009-ish or so, the Thanksgiving, um, for those number of years, every single record book on the PGA Tour would be his. No question. And and it's interesting, Jay, that you word it that way, because I regard really Tiger being on one path from 2009 right through the Memorial Day arrest of 2017. Even though he won a bunch of tournaments in 2013, he was player of the year, even though he did tremendous good works for his charity and was active in his public life uh, in ways. Uh, but there was, there was some very significant hiccups along the way. Um, and um, uh, so, you know, you can't compare this to Ted Williams, uh, you know, uh, uh, serving as a pilot in World War II or Korea. Uh, I mean, it's totally different from that. But he did lose years and years of his prime to surgery, to personal travails, and 
to come back from that is a tremendous testament to the human capacity to rust. And that's what I'm trying to that's what I'm trying to capture. Well, I can't wait to read it. I just can't wait to read it. And I and I I think the thing that I've never seen one of the things that I know you're you're on on this. First of all, I know that you wouldn't write this book if you didn't believe it with every fiber of your being. But when I watch him, he smiles way more than he ever, ever did. He talks to people. It's just a different Tiger Woods. I, I, I agree with that. And, and, the, and my only cautionary note would be that when, when you hear people say that Tiger has changed, and I would say that Tiger is changing, that Tiger is evolving, that Tiger is growing. And I don't think it's night and day. I think it's more subtle than that. And I would say that something happened to Tiger on some deep level, and I'm not pretending to know what it is, in which he has become literally more aware of the role that gratitude and empathy has to play in a person's life in order to lead an evolved life. And uh, I think, you know, Jay, you and I are the exact same age. I think I got you by a few months here. But, uh, but, the, but, but, the, but the point is that if you're going to grow into, into, middlehood, into middle age and old age and you don't want to be an embittered person, you want to be a person who has relationships deep meaningful relationships with your with your kids and your close friends and your and your colleagues mm-hmm. you really it's really incumbent upon you to develop some kind of uh deep understanding of the role that empathy and gratitude plays in your life because i think those are the starting points for a rich fulfilling life and uh i'm not saying that in a preacher way i'm saying that just in terms of looking at my own life and I think looking at Tiger Woods, as you, you and I have both done, uh, I think it's very evident that, that, that he's doing the same thing. And I would say you can see it with his kids and with other players and with spectators and uh, uh, in really every aspect of his life. Well, when he was the captain of the President's Cup, and it's, it's an exciting, fulfilling, uplifting uh, thing to see. You know what, Michael, for sure, when I just had Paul Azier on the show and we talked about the job Tiger did down in Australia and that the modern day, the current Tiger Woods would have never had been able to relate to those players like he did. No, I agree. I agree with that. And, and of course, a lot of those players literally grew up on Tiger Woods, so they don't. You know, Ernie O's and VJ Singh and Davis Love and Phil Mickelson, they know what it's like to get beat by Tiger Woods, and they got tired of it, understandably so. This generation really was just, you know, the John Roms and uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed, uh, they grew up being inspired by the life example of, of Tiger Woods. And now they get to play with him as, a, as both a teammate and uh, to have him as their captain. That was a dream for them and a dream for Tiger to be able to do it. And he rose to the occasion and they rose to the occasion. And it was, an, you know, it was a tremendous President's Cup. And, and the golf course, uh, Royal, Melbourne, uh, Royal Melbourne added a lot to it as well. Oh, it's an absolute treat, Royal Melbourne is. So, Michael, let's talk a little bit about this fall Masters. So we're going to look at the second week of November to play the Masters tournament here in, in 2020. Well, I think it's... Uh, uh, have you ever gotten to play Augusta National, Jay? I have not. I've had many, many opportunities that I turned down because I wanted to earn my way into playing my first round. I wanted it to be a practice round for the, you know, when when I got a chance to earn my way in, and I never did. Well, you got to play in a bunch of other things. I think. I hope. I hope you get to play it. I know from people who have played it that it is a totally different course uh, in November. It can be really, really a long course because. Because they can have a very uh, they can have a very wet fall there. It's on the tail end of hurricane season. But leaving all that aside, the technicalities of how the course is going to play and the fact that it's going to be in football season and it's going to be in Preston and all the rest. This is my biggest takeaway from the fact that they have announced that they intend to play the Masters in the middle of November. Hallelujah! It is, in other words, Augusta National is a really prudent club that has tremendous information resources at their disposal. And the fact that they think that the country and the world is going to be a safe enough place that we can have a Masters golf tournament in mid-November, the fact that they're saying that publicly tells me that they must really think that it is very, very likely to happen. And I think that's great for all of us, whether you're a golf fan or not. I know your listeners are all golf fans. 
so I take tremendous encouragement in that, and I know this is a down period for all of us. Uh, none of us want, want, wants, there's no one could possibly be liking this period. But I think, you know, come November, we'll look at this, you know, if we're fortunate enough to get through it unscathed uh, as a blip, a blip with consequences, but life will resume. And one of the things that all of us who love golf uh, look forward to every year is the Masters. The Masters in April, of course, historically. This year, Masters in November, we hope. And uh, and I, th- I think it's just wonderful. Who it's going to favor and how the course is going to play and, you know, uh, you know all that stuff. That's just uh, – that's the fine print, you know, that nobody ever reads. <laughs> that's so, the icing and, on the cake. And that right? will unfold. Yeah, that's right. Well, I can promise you this, Michael. I knew that the PGA Tour – was hunkered down and trying to redo the back end of the schedule. But I can tell you the guys at Augusta were smack dab in the middle of that conversation with their information, their influence, and their knowledge. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think they're, uh, I think they're just a very sophisticated group of people. And even though they've gotten some things wrong over the years, I mean, they've gotten some major things wrong over the years, They've gotten a lot, a lot of things right. And, uh, you know, when they build that part three course, they know what they're doing. When they add a bunker, they know what they're doing. And when they when they announce that they're going to have this tournament in November, in consultation with the NFL and the PGA Tour and the Ryder Cup people, the PGA America and all the rest, they, they, they know what they're doing. It's a deliberative intelligence group of people there. Well, it really is. Well, Michael... Have you would you like to weigh in on any, where would what would you like to weigh in on golf? Anything like I talked to Azinger and asked him about the distance and things like that. And wh- where do you feel like the state of the game is? And is there anything that you're concerned about? Well, there always is. You know, I think golf, like everything in life, you've got to be vigilant to uh, to hold close to you that which is important and. Uh, uh, this is a little bit of a soapbox thing for me, but I, I know it's going to be exactly the, the same for you, Jay, is that uh, golf's starting point at the elite level has to be complete faith in the scorecards the players turn in. And uh, you can't um, you can't overstate how important that is uh, at all. So there have been some issues uh, in, in recent years, including with Tyron, including with Patrick Reed, and golf has to really uh, double down on that. At these scorecards, we're not going to try to catch you. Uh, you're going to turn in a scorecard that is 100% and ethical. Every box is going to be filled in precisely, and it's and uh, 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 and we're and we're going to trust it. And by the way, and people don't necessarily understand this, but I know that you do, Jay. It's a two-way street in golf. Uh, you know, the, the golfer is expected to turn an accurate scorecard and Big Brother is watching. People don't really understand that that's the, that two-pronged system is what is one of the things that makes it work. And then I would say more broadly than that, and maybe this, this, uh, this awful virus that's going around will, will impact this in, uh, to some degree. I would love to see the casual game. Now, you don't play the casual game, Jay, but you might these days. Uh, you didn't for years, but, but I do. I would like to see more golf played with fewer clubs, um, walking fewer than four players, not in carts, um, uh, a faster game on a shorter course, on a browner course that's less expensive. Uh, you know, uh, that is golf in many other countries. That is golf in many public courses, uh, especially in the Midwest where, where, where you are, Jake, but, uh, but really, really all over this country. And I love Augusta National. I love the Masters, you know, for that one week a year. But it sounds really uh, it, 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 totally unrealistic image of what golf is and what golf should be. And in uh, a simpler, less expensive game with less fertilizer and less and less water, I think strongly would be a would be a better game. So I hope I hope uh, I hope golf will, will will go in that direction. I think uh, I think we'd have more players enjoying the game uh, in a deeper way if we could go down that path. Oh, I love it, Michael. Well, first of all, um, and before we wrap up, please tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can uh, buy the book, where they can buy it, and things like that. I'm extremely available. I respond to almost every email I get, uh, you know, as long as it's polite. And I'll I'll just give my email, Jesse Blake, because it's right there in the book. 
It's uh, M. It's old. It's an old-fashioned email, but it's M is in Mary. My last name Bamberger zero two two four AOL dot com. People are welcome to write to me. Uh, I would love for people to say go to your library or go to a bookstore to get the book. Uh, unfortunately, most <laughs> libraries and bookstores are closed right now, uh, but it's very very available uh, online uh, uh, through through Amazon. People have been ordering it. Uh, it's had a uh, you know, it's had a rocky opening here. It's been up, it's been a difficult time to, to launch a golf book, but but it's available there. You can try a little sample of the book uh, right there on Amazon. And if it's to your liking, you know, go ahead. And if it's not to your liking, uh, you know, find something else. There's a lot of great golf books uh, out there. If you're new to reading about the game, don't start with me. Start with Bobby Jones or start with uh, uh, Michael Murphy's Golf in the Kingdom or uh, – you know, if you're interested in Tiger, there's Hank Haney's book. It's an extremely interesting book. There's the uh, uh, the Benedict Catan book. It's an extremely interesting book. Golf has a rich, rich history of literature, and, you know, I, I hope I've added a little something to it, but by no means am I the uh, starting point or the finishing point. Oh, man, are you kidding me? You're a, a, when, when I do my reading to try to stay up on things, I, I go straight to you. I really, Michael, so appreciate your... Your passion, it, it, it shines through in everything you say. Thanks for joining me today, and uh, keep doing what so, you're Jay, doing, let me man. conclude with this for the young people out there. Some of the, some of the guys out there will know the name Ricky Barnes. Ricky Barnes has played the tour for years. He's played in a lot of tour events. I don't know if he's one, if he has. I can't, I can't particularly remember it, but he's a big, strong, athletic guy. He's got a big, strong, athletic girlfriend, wife. I'm not sure now. Uh, I think she was a volleyball player. But anyway, when I first saw this Ricky Barnes get on tour, uh, I said to myself, oh, I know who this Ricky Barnes is. This is Jay Delsing all over again. Uh, he's a guy <laughs> who can play any sport. You put a stick in his hand, he's going to hit it. I don't care if it's hockey, baseball, golf, or something else, uh, lacrosse. Uh, so, so when I saw Ricky Barnes, I thought of you immediately. And, uh, Jay, it's just a pleasure to be on here with you. And, uh, you know, you're a golfing lifer uh, like I am. We find a way to stay in the game and, 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 and try to be meaningful try to say something meaningful about the game i really appreciate you having me thank you so much jay all right so that's going to wrap up the back nine and the michael bamberger interview but don't go away john and i will be back this is golf with jay delsing this is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Don't miss your chance to see PGA Tour champion legends. Proceeds will benefit St. Louis area youth, including the Urban League, Mary Grove, the Boys and Girls Club, and more. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. For the last 48 years, Pro-Am Golf has been providing outstanding customer service to the greater St. Louis area for all of our golf needs, from top-of-the-line equipment to full-service club repair lessons and instructions. They now have their own retail outlet, as well as state-of-the-art computers, cameras, and things to customize all of your personal club fitting needs. Pro-Am Golf carries all the major brands. They also have the latest fashion trends from Puma Golf. Whatever your needs, Pro-Am Golf will meet them and have the best customer service in the industry. Call us at 314-781-7775 or find us at ProAmGolfUSA.com. USA Mortgage is doing it again. Joe Schieser and his staff have lowered rates again this month, and they will waive closing costs. If you want to refinance to get cash out, lower your rate, shorten your term, or eliminate that costly, unnecessary mortgage insurance. If you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They are the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. Joe Schieser has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsing's. I want to thank Donahue Painting and Refinishing for supporting the show. When I was out playing golf, in my mind, I would see a picture that I wanted, and I'd try to hit the shot the way it was painted in my mind. The way you see your home is what Donahue Painting and Refinishing can make your home look like. Grab your friends, a cold one, and pull up a chair. We're on to the 19th hole on golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by Sniper Brand Golf. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. We are headed to the 19th hole. John, what's interesting about to me that jumped out about the Michael Bamberger interview, I know he, he wrote you know for an iconic magazine for years and years and always about golf and always the interesting 
little quirks from his perspective. But isn't it interesting how someone like him has found a way to stay in the game and, and we can so relate to each other because, you know, you and I have loved this game forever and we're still trying to figure out ways to stay into it, talk about it, grow it, anything we can. Yeah, I think I think it's fun. I think from the early part of his uh, his story, the playing the vagabond and running around Europe and chatting over there, and the fact that he's really a good player, uh, uh, you can tell you can tell the passion. And you both, I love the people you have on the show, Jay, because these people also care about growing the game and they care about the changes of the game, the integrity of the changes of the game. So I, I thought it was just a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful interview. And, you know, I've watched you. I've ebbed and flowed with, with golf, and you stayed passionate uh, through the whole thing, and now you're doing this, uh, uh, this, this radio show. So uh, you guys have a lot in common. And, and you can just tell by the way that he presents this stuff that he just he had a blast doing it. And um, what Bamberger did for me was provide that um, perspective, you don't get. You don't get a perspective. Where do you find a perspective like that? How does, you know, uh, how does that work? You know, how does that guy get out of bed and 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 get excited about this, the way he does? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I don't know, but thank goodness for it, and and because that's what we need. Otherwise, I think all sports, but especially golf. Otherwise, otherwise it can be very. Uh, singular, and this guy makes you think about other things. Yeah. Yeah, I will tell you, his book, Men in Green, just look at the cover, and if you're a golfer, you won't, you, you won't be able to not open this book and read it. It's got Arnold Palmer shaking hands with Jack Nicklaus, and it talks about, for, for me, that was like the golden age of the game. You know, where Arnold was still just, he had, he had passed the torch to Jack, but he was still really, really relevant and uh, in so many different ways. And it, and I've said this a, a zillion times and probably ad nauseum for everybody, but it still reminds me, John, of the Bob Hope Classic and going out there for years and years with you and playing those small little golf courses and having all those people come out of their little condos at Indian Wells and Bermuda Dunes and stand out there and watch us. And it, it just, there's something about that time on the PGA Tour that was so incredibly special. Well, it was special for us, and I like the way you guys talked about you know, how the change is now, how the, the characters, the personalities of back then versus now. And that's not to say there's not great things now, but it's different, isn't it? It's, 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 a, real, it's, it's, a, it's a real different, different feel. Yeah, it is. It's a different feel. There, it's impossible to not feel the money aspect of the PGA Tour now. It's impossible. It's just a, it's just an entirely different. The, gone are the days of people traveling together in a sense where you're in a car together, where you, you know, now they travel in, in private jets together and things like that. And make no mistake about it, John, I'd rather be in a private jet than in a car with, you know, four people, you know, as we're, as we're all and asked to, you know, you know, 12 hours away. But there was just something about that time of our lives that we didn't know much better. And that was what everybody did. And that's what was on the table. And um, you know what? I, I just am grateful to be a part of it. That's that was just it's just awesome. Well, I like that part. I mean, now you think about some of the tra- drives and and the travel, and you just we we would scoff at it. But it definitely some of the fonder memories. I can just driving across country dri- for me playing Canadian Tour, driving across Canada. Uh, interesting times, and yeah. And you miss, there's all kinds of interesting things that happen, happen along those travels. Oh, something my gosh. we can talk about on the radio, something we can. Yeah, Billy Ray Brown comes to mind up in Canada. <laughs> he was a force for the entire country of Canada to be reckoned with, but we don't, we're not going to talk about that. And he was my, my roommate. So I know yeah, he I, was. I, 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 I knew some of that firsthand. What a fun guy. What a good guy he is. Yes, sir. Pearly, that's going to wrap up another show. Uh, thanks for being with me. Neat. Um, Man, keep playing the game, dude. It's uh, I would say it's going to get better. I can't say that for sure, but I sure hope it does. If he follows the advice, it'll be just fine. Just fine. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. This is <laughs> Golf with Jay Delsing. Hit him straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world.
In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.